What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And this, this warning comes in Deuteronomy 8.10, Deuteronomy 8.10, and it says, here's the time. When thou hast eaten and art full. Then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God and not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, all that thy hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee, that he might do thee good at thy lighter end. And thou say in thy heart, my power and this might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which thee swear unto thy fathers at this day. God was saying, you're going to be going into good times. You're going to be heading into a situation where you're going to have everything that you need. Your houses are going to be magnificent maybe adequate, more than adequate. You're going to have flocks that are going to multiply. Everything's going to be going your way. And he said, that's the time of your greatest danger. That's the time when you are in the greatest danger to forget God and to say, I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I have need of nothing. Then the deception can very easily come to you where you will say, I did it. I did it all. I did such a great job. I'm so able. I'm strong. My hand is strong. Look what I did. And God said, that's the point where you're going to be at the point where I'm going to be ready to vomit you out of my mouth. That's going to be the point where I'm going to hate 
the state that you're in. And so he said, be careful of that. So this invitation, ho everyone that thirsteth, is God saying, never forget the thirst in your soul. And that's true for us here tonight. We, God may bring us into good times. He may bring us into, we don't feel the need that we once did. And God said, never forget. And that's what he was telling Israel. Never forget, rehearse it again. You know, one of the values of the Passover, we celebrate the Seder, celebrate the Passover, and you know, with the menorah, and the all the, the dreidels and the thing. But you know what God was really wanting in that yearly celebration that he said was so important? We're gonna reset the calendar that that was gonna be the first month of the year. Remember Egypt. Remember the hard bondage that you were in. Never forget how the Egyptians oppressed you, how the Egyptians systematically killed you, how they worked you to death, how they killed your firstborn, how they hated you and had their thumb on you and would not be happy until they ground you into the death, into death in the dust. Never forget that. And that's the reason for the Seder, for the Passover, I should say. That's the reason for the Passover. It's a remembrance time to remember. And when God told Israel, said, I want you to never forget that you were dirty, rotten sinners. Don't just say sinners, say dirty, rotten type sinners. I want you to never forget that. Don't ever forget that time. Always go back. You know, I have a, a friend who's a, a missionary in um, Indonesia, and they adopted two kids from the street. And the kids, they had what they needed. They had clothes, they had food, they had all the things they didn't have when they were back in Jakarta. And the kids then, the two kids started to rebel and they started to say, it was better for us in Jakarta. When we could roam the streets, we knew the streets, we could do what we want. And my friends got tired of hearing this. So they said, okay, we're gonna leave the jungle. We're gonna go back to Jakarta. We're gonna go back to Jakarta and we're gonna go back to the place where you grew up. And they took them back to the place and they saw the squalor and they saw all that the life that, that it was of the petty theft and, and everything, kind of like probably like places in the Bahamas, I would imagine, right, Sam? Just, I'm just thinking about that, you know? They, they saw that and the kids never wanted to go back again. Why? Because the parents wisely brought them back to the place. Like the song says, thanks to Calvary. He says, and the song goes on, it says, you know, I went back and I visited the, visited the places I used to hang out in, the bars, the gang, and the refrain goes, thanks to Calvary, I don't go there anymore. And then his little boy, he, he brings him back to the, the house where he grew up, and his little boy, you know, got afraid and hid behind him in the song, and he said, son, don't be afraid, thanks to Calvary, I don't live here anymore. So God wants us to always remember, don't forget where you came from. Always remember so that you always keep that thirst in your soul. No thirst in the soul, no running to Jesus. No thirst in the soul, no response to the gospel. No thirst in the soul, no be thou my vision, my Savior divine. Nothing like that. Then he goes on. And he says, come ye and buy wine and milk without money and without price. He says, come and buy without money. It's almost comical, buy without money. How <laughs> you buy without money? No, because that God says, I don't want you to come with your money. I don't want, because your money is no money. 
What does that mean, no, your money? What does a person come and try to bargain with God? Matthew 7, you see people who come with their money. Not, not everyone that saith it to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father shall many will come on that day and say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them, depart from me, I never knew you. The whole mistake there was that they thought God is more concerned with what I do for him than, and God was saying, no, you got it wrong. I'm more concerned with who you know rather than what you do. And because they had that wrong, it was a tragedy where they were cast into hell. And this is where God says, don't come to me with, uh, Lord, haven't we done this and have we done that? I've got this money, I've got that money. I, you know, we cast out devils and we preach in your name and we've done many wonderful works and that's gonna buy me into heaven, isn't it? And God says, don't come with that. Come with no money. Come with, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Come that way. Come the way of nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Come that way. And when you come that way, I'll give you great buying power. Buy. Don't just say, because I'm not going to say to you, God's going to say, I'm not going to say to you, well, you know, another dirty, rotten sinner. Okay, go in the corner. I don't even want to. Very end, but that's okay. No, God's going to say, Bring out the best robe, kill the fatted calf, promote, exalt, and let them buy, buy corn and wine and milk without money and without price. And then he turns to them in verse two, and he says, I've got a question that's really troubling me. God is sort of saying, look at this. It's something that's very troublesome to me. And the question is, why, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? in your labor for that which satisfieth not. He's looking at people who are just exhausting themselves in a mad pursuit in life. And they're working, they're working, they're working. And God is saying, for what, for what, for what? When God looked at his people, it broke his heart. When he looked at Israel, it broke his heart because he said, my people have committed two evils. Not just one, but two. First, the foremost, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. They turned their back on me. It would have been bad enough if they just turned their back enough as not on God. But instead, they plunged themselves, and this is the second evil, they hewed out for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. They were digging and digging the cisterns, and they were hoping and hoping and hoping that when the time came and they opened up the lid, that there'd be water there when they were thirsty, and they were broken cisterns, and what a disappointment to open up, take a, a lid off of a well when you're thirsty and you need the water, and so there's no water because it was broken. And he said, that's what my people do. They forsake me, the fountain, not the well, the fountain It's coming out, the water is springing out, the fountain of living waters, and instead they dug these wells, broken wells, they can't even hold water. And he says, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not? And so now the question is, what should they do? And God says, I'll tell you what you should do in verse two, hearken diligently unto me. Hearken diligently unto me. This is all about, in verse three, incline your ear and come unto me. Here and your soul will live. 
Come unto me and your soul will live. And this is what the Lord Jesus told his opponents. He said, you will not come unto me that you might have eternal life. Eternal life is all about coming to the Lord Jesus, to the person of the Lord Jesus. He says, it's all personal. It's real personal. It's about Jehovah Jesus. It's about the Lord Jesus. And he says, you've got to listen to me and you've got to come to me and your soul shall live. And he says, and then I'm gonna make you an, an everlasting covenant, even the sure mercies of David. And you think about David, what sure mercies David got. If it was in the New York Times about what David did, it would read like this. Man rapes a wife and murders her husband. That's David. Man rapes a wife and murders her husband. And the jury would say, Guilty, death penalty, that's what the jury would say, and especially the judgment bar of God. And that was King David, and he did it, and it was a terrible thing. And can't you imagine David in heaven now saying, did it have to be in the Bible? Couldn't it have been expunged? Did you have to have that chapter in there? And God said, oh yes, it does have to be in the Bible. And they would say, why? Because what I did after that, when I took a son from, from that woman, Bathsheba, and made him to be your heir and the one to build the temple, when I did that, that was the sure mercies of David. That was the sure mercies that God had given on, on King David. That's the mercies. The mercies on the man who raped a wife and murdered her husband and exalted him to be the David, David, Melach Israel, Kai, Kai, Vikayom. David, David, King of Israel, live, live forever. That's the mercies of God. That's a, and, he, and that's what God says. If you come to me as a dirty, rotten sinner and you don't, you say, I don't have any money and I'm thirsty in my soul, and it's really a confession of sin, then God says, have I got mercies for you? And it's not just any, any nondescript mercy, it's the sure mercies of David, the man who raped. And I don't even like to keep repeating it. But that's the kind of mercies that God has. That's the kind of mercies. And then, now keep in mind, God is speaking to Israel here. And so he's saying then to, to Israel, if you do it, if you do it, Jewish people, if you do it, Israel, something's gonna happen. In verse five, he says, you will call a nation that you don't even know about, and nations that don't even know you are gonna run to you. What is he talking about? I don't know, there's some nations out in the middle of the ocean, way out in the middle of nowhere, and Israel doesn't know them, and the Jewish people don't know about it, but you're gonna call them. And how are you gonna call them? What are you gonna to say to them? You can say, ho, everyone that thirsteth like me. Ho, every dirty, rotten sinner like me. He says, I found the sure mercies of David. And he says, and you know what's gonna happen? Those nations are gonna to run to you because of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel because they want those mercies too. And that's the picture in, Isaiah, in Zechariah where it says, 10 people shall take hold of the skirt that him that's a Jew. And they're all speaking 10 different languages. 
And those 10 people speaking 10 different languages, I mean, I can't even imagine the scene, really. I mean, this is a, to me, it sounds like confusion or something. But here's 10 people, they're gathered around one Jew, and they're grabbing a hold of his skirt of his pants there, and the 10 of them, and they all got, they're speaking all these different languages, nobody can understand them. But they're all saying the same thing, we will go with you for we have heard that God is with you. That's what it means when God told Abraham, through you, you will bless all the nations of, all the families of the earth. All the families of the earth are gonna flock to the Jewish people who will bring them to Jehovah Jesus, who will bring them to the Lord God so that they can receive as they have received the sure mercies of David. That's what's gonna happen here. And then God says, okay, but there's a little qualifier here in verse 7. There's just a little qualifier, and the qualifier is the wicked has to forsake his way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts, don't bring your pornographic magazines with you. They have to be forsaken, forsaken, and let him return to the Lord, and the Lord will have mercy upon him, and God will abundantly pardon in verse 7, in verse 7. And you say, how could this be possible? How could God possibly do this? How could God forgive this man, David, for what he did? How could he for, not only forgive him, but exalt him and make him the example and make the Messiah come as the son of David, as the son of the man? I don't like to repeat what he did. It's so horrible. As the son of that man, have mercy upon me, the blind man cried, to Jesus, have mercy upon me, O thou son of David. How is that possible? I don't get it. And God says, no, and you won't get it, in verse eight, because my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. You say about David, off with his head. I say, forgive, pardon, and exalt him because in his humility. And then he says, because your ways are earthly ways. My ways are higher, or as the heavens, they're higher than the earth, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts in verse 9. And then, then he says, he says, you know the rain, and the Lord Jesus spoke about the Father sends his rain upon the just and the unjust, and God says in verse 10, you know the rain that comes down? You know the snow that comes down? You know how it comes down from the sky and then it waters the earth and it makes the, you know, we just had this wonderful rain here in San Diego. You see how green everything is? It's beautiful. Boy, you should see this grapefruit tree. I never knew it could make 80 grapefruit as a result of this rain. It's, it's fabulous. But it all came because of the rain that God sent recently. And God says, I want you to think about that. He says, the rain just doesn't just happen. It's sent. I send it. And I want you to think about what it does in causing the fruit to come. And then I want you to understand, that's the way my word is. He says in verse 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, but will accomplish that which I please, and it'll prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. I sent it. So in other words, the word of God is not just an ancient book that we dust off and try to read in an archaic language and figure out what these people meant at that time. No, the word of God is a sent word. 
It's a scent word that is sent just like a ground is dry and God looks at the ground and says, you know what that ground needs? That ground needs some rain. I'll send some rain. And the rain comes. And the word of God's the same way. You know what that person is? That's a dry, thirsty sinner. I'll send my word. And my word will lead that person to the Lord Jesus Christ and it will satisfy the need of his heart. And that's what God says he does with his word. That's why when you and I talk to the lost, talk to people, don't forget the Bible. That's why the Bible should be centerpiece, centerpiece in what we say. The Bible is a lion. All we do is let the lion loose. The lion will do its job. We just let it loose. But if we keep the lion in the cage, the Bible also for us is the, is the medicine for our souls. We are wounded, we're in a battle, and we retreat behind the lines and we go to the infirmary and we need care, and the Bible is the care. The Bible is the infirmary. The Bible is what we retreat to, to heal us, to strengthen us, and to send us out again into the battle of life. So this is the invitation that God is giving. Not only given, but he is giving. Ho, everyone, quick, everyone that thirsts, everyone that doesn't have any money, everyone who's not gonna come to me and say, Lord, I've got these work, no. Everyone who's going to come to me as a dirty, rotten sinner with nothing. That's the people I'm addressing. And I'm saying, step right in. Come to the waters. By, I will give you honey out of the rock. I'll feed you with the finest of wheat. Just come to me. Just come. And when you do that, it's going to be so happy and it's not only been you and the other people that are going to be happy. It says, God, he says, there's going to be a non-containment of joy, it says in verse 12. You shall go out with joy and be led with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Can you imagine? This is what God is saying. It's a great, it's great. There's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. The angels rejoice. So this is God's invitation. This is the invitation that causes us to always go back in our mind and remember, we don't go there anymore, thanks to Calvary. We don't live there anymore, thanks to Calvary, but we remember where we were. We remember where we came from just as much as we remember the Lord's death at communion time. We remember because we remember the thirst in our souls, and that keeps us from the danger of Deuteronomy 8, of forgetting God. He says, remember that, and when we go and speak to the lost, we are really putting out a sheep call. We're calling sheep, we're calling the sheep who are thirsty inside, who feel that thirst. And if someone says, I don't feel any need, I'm sorry, God can't help you because God is in the business of helping those who are thirsty in their souls. And we say, just come as you are, and the Lord Jesus will receive you. Wonderful as we consider tonight his invitation. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being a God not like us. Thank you, Lord, for amazing us with your amazing grace, your amazing love, 
We thank you for this, Lord, and help us to understand your ways that are higher than ours, your thoughts that are higher than ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.